This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, we've been talking about mandatory mask wearing, and throughout the pandemic, there's been a tension between emergency rules and personal freedom. And the question has been how to balance the two. Well, while we're now debating whether to make mask wearing mandatory and how we enforce that, a report from the Canadian Civil Liberties Association finds that there was a, quote, ugly ticketing pandemic at the height of the outbreak with enforcement officers engaging in racial profiling and other concerning practices when they were handing out tickets for things like using park amenities. Abby Deshman is the director of criminal justice at the Canadian Civil Liberties Association and the author of the report. Hello, Abby. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. So, uh, what did you find when you investigated some of the way these tickets were handed out? Where were they handed out and, and for what? Yeah, so we found uh, about 10,000 COVID-related tickets were laid in, in uh, just over 100 days, uh, which is really an enormous number of tickets. That's over $13 million in fines. And when you look at where uh, these tickets were issued, the vast majority of them, 98% of that $13 million, um, comes down to just three provinces, Quebec, Ontario, and Nova Scotia. Uh-huh. Uh, so really disproportionate charging in those provinces. Um, when we look at, you know, BC, for example, that absolutely had a very concerning beginning uh, to this pandemic, really uh, a fast curve upwards in BC in terms of their infection rates. We just don't see the same law enforcement response. They didn't... Uh, uh, empower their bylaw officers and their police officers to go out and, and hand out punitive fines. Uh, it's really been a decision that Quebec, Ontario, and Nova Scotia have made to respond to the pandemic uh, with law enforcement policing stops uh, and very heavy fines. And I remember some of those fines, and it was at the height of the pandemic when things like, uh, you know, the the swings in parks and, and off-leash dog parks and all kinds of things were off limits, and some of those fines were very hefty. They were seven and eight hundred dollars and more. Yep, that's exactly it. It's eight hundred and eighty dollars uh, once you get everything in in Ontario. Fifteen hundred dollars in Quebec. Uh, several hundred in Nova Scotia. So um, really crushing fines, especially at times when individuals and families are facing incredible financial strain. Um, and uh, the types of things that people were ticketed for. You know, we've been inviting Canadians to get in touch with us with their experiences of enforcement. We don't have a picture of every single ticket, of course, but I can tell you the dozens and dozens of people who got in touch with us from across the country are telling us stories of very minor uh, infractions, or even sometimes we can't even figure out what they did wrong. But, you know, things like my kid um, in an open park uh, ran ahead and jumped up on the picnic bench uh, for five seconds before I called him back. Uh, And the bylaw officer said it was a zero tolerance, and that was an $880 ticket. Or uh, a 17-year-old walking down a path in Halifax that had specifically been flagged open by the municipality, a police officer disagreed, um, issued him hundreds of dollars of tickets. 
Uh, in Quebec, we're hearing from grassroots organizations that work with the indigenous population um, that their clients, the majority of whom are uh, homeless or precariously housed, are receiving a lot of increased attention from police and many, many physical distancing infractions because they're just out in public space so much and they have really reduced uh, services and supports at this time because a lot of these community organizations that help those populations are closed. So when we have examples of places in Canada that have effectively confronted this public health crisis using education and a public health response, uh, these types of tickets and particularly the impacts on marginalized populations just don't seem necessary and uh, really raise equality and human rights concerns. Uh, yeah, and but on, on the other hand, I mean, you've got to wonder if you uh, are giving a huge ticket to someone who's homeless. I mean, I can't imagine that there's any hope you're going to collect it. What's the thinking behind it that that it would be intimidating? What and what was what was the situation created? I mean, how did the people receiving these tickets respond? Well, you know, I don't think there there is a lot of rationale for that, right? I think it actually undermines the public health response because when a police officer approaches someone on the street uh, and confrontationally hands them a ticket, uh, that's going to drive that person further away from the support and services they need to be able to effectively comply with public health recommendations. And the reports that we're receiving from people that work with these communities is that it is just further entrenched the distrust uh, between marginalized communities and the police has pushed people further away from the outreach and the supports that social services provide um, and really has undermined uh, the ability of marginalized communities to find safe spaces where they're able to take care of themselves and those around them. You say that they, the off, some of the enforcement officers engaged in, in racial profiling. How so? Well, so uh, let me give you an example. I, I don't think uh, we should think of this like, you know, bylaw officers are out there looking for uh, racialized people, looking for black people, looking for indigenous people who they can ticket. It's, it's much more subtle than that, but it is nevertheless um, very concerning. So, for example, one of the people who got in touch with us uh, was walking through his local park near his house. Uh, he happens to be black. His partner is white. The bylaw officer that stopped them was not stopping any other couples. There were many people in the park, wasn't stopping people who were of the same race. Uh, he stopped them and started to question them, demand their identification, clearly believed that they didn't live together. The only difference between that couple and the others was that this was a mixed-race couple. And in that instance, actually, uh, the man questioned why he was being stopped, why why the bylaw officer needed his identification, what law he was acting under. Uh, and it actually escalated to the point where the man was followed for 25 minutes as he just continued his walk in the park. And then eventually the police were called to attend for someone walking in their local park. Right? So wow. these are the types of stories um, that we're hearing. We don't have race-based data because the police don't collect it or release it. Bylaw officers don't collect it or release it. We would love to be able to see that. But the trends we know are in the justice system, the systemic discrimination uh, in policing, uh, you know, we know that exists. And it, it's it's not a surprise that that would also flow through to uh, COVID-related law enforcement actions. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this was all at the height of the pandemic. Uh, did you follow whether it was, you know, perhaps an overreaction at really at the height of things and has it subsided? 
Yeah, I think it has subsided. We don't have really solid figures, but certainly in places like Toronto and Ottawa, we've seen a much more measured approach recently. We've seen warnings handed out at beaches that are too crowded instead of tickets. Uh, we've seen, for example, the city go out and paint social distancing circles on the grass at popular downtown parks to allow people to actually see, is this park full in the COVID area? Um, so, uh, I think we have adopted it. Uh, we've learned. Some places have learned. Uh, what we are looking to is a possible second wave, right? Um, we are concerned that if COVID cases start to tick back up, that governments and law enforcement officials may fall back on the punitive approach that really does undermine public health, especially for the most marginalized communities. Uh, and that's what we don't want to see. We know that BC effectively flattened the curve without it. Uh, Ontario, Quebec, and Nova Scotia can as well. Okay. On that note, thank you very much, Abby Deshman from the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And uh, let me just uh, say that Free For All Friday is coming up tomorrow. And in addition to the phone lines, we have a voicemail, 416-367-9636. And that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.